0: Hi, this is Tamson Granger
1: and this is Dan Abuha.
0: with Tamson and Dan read the paper on uh, Sunday. Yes, February 21. Correct. So, you know, what we didn't celebrate last week
1: uh, Lincoln's birthday
0: pitchers and catchers.
1: And, you know, you can't really celebrate that because there are different days for different teams. So uh, there's no official day.
0: Yeah, but it used to be uh, Armand would always yes. remind us.
1: Armand is a uh, little well, cuts you corners know, when it comes to things like A this.
0: little sign of spring. Well,
1: you know, for him it was when the Phillies uh, started with pitchers. And, and they coaches. went down. Very specific. They
0: went down last Wednesday. Which
1: is amusing because some would not consider the Phillies a major league team. But that's, you know, he grew up in the area. We'll give him that. We'll all right. Well, anyway, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: they're down there. They're working on it right now. They're We're all, still
0: in pretty deep snow.
1: They're Yes, but they're in Florida. Uh, and I've heard, uh, since i would listened to sports radio, yeah, as one does, uh, I've been hearing a lot of people all week, uh, a lot of reporters getting ready for the drive down. Many are driving down as opposed to flying So they're down. going
0: to do on location?
1: Oh, oh, oh! You always have reporters down there. Uh, yeah, that, that's of course, a plum they assignment. Want to be assignment. It's warm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. They're bringing their golf clubs, and the whole bit. They're looking forward to it.
0: All right. Well, we're supposed to get some heat waves. I'm not here. complaining
1: about the snow. Really? First of all, I'm not a complainer. Just not. <laughs> just <laughs> not me. But secondly, I've been doing a lot of skiing, and uh, you know, there you go. You know, you're making a lemonade out of lemons. That's there you go. That's what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: You were about to say you're making lemons out of lemonade. I, I, yes,
1: you, I yes. was, but Which I
0: corrected really myself. really closer to your personality. <laughs> is that right? Yes. It's, uh, it's pulling a rabbit out of a hat. I That's can't it. even get uh, a handful of people to disagree with me on that.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. You'd be surprised.
0: Uh, but anyway, so uh, looking forward to uh, spring.
1: Yeah. Soon.
0: It is. It is
1: coming. I hope. It's coming. Days are getting longer. We're going to have a warmer week. Uh, it's all coming together.
0: So to celebrate that, we yeah. watched a movie last night.
1: Yes, that recommended was recommended
0: by the Times. Although yeah. we should know better. Recommended by a
1: lot of people. Uh we saw Nomad Land.
0: And actually it was worth the the price.
1: Which was nothing. But uh it was it was good. It was good. Or as Nico called it, it was intense. And I think it's fairly described as intense. So Nomad Land is uh well, it's hard to say. what What is Nomad Land? How would you describe Nomad Land?
0: It's the story of uh, the modern day nomads. It's based on a book. Yeah. Did you write down the author of the book? I have all the information. All right. Then who's the author of the book?
1: Uh, Jessica Bruden.
0: Okay. So, uh, and it talks about uh, people who are generally older, I think, mm-hmm. and largely kind of middle class. Yeah. And they are basically itinerant workers. Right. And uh, roam from uh, job to job, like uh, Amazon warehouses at Christmas, to other, to national parks, and, uh, you know, have, you know, eke out a life with no. As nomads. um, as that's nomads, that's yeah. Right. Well, well, with, no, with home, no home, no home. Well, yeah. They they may consider with their no van house. their home. <laughs> with no
1: house, with yeah. no house, and they have this itinerant lifestyle. Uh, and I should uh, correct myself. It's uh, Jessica Bruder, not Bruden. Um, okay. So, but, but let me come back to that. The reason I asked you to describe it because I have trouble describing it, and there's a little bit there's a little bit of issue even in, in your description that I won't fault you for, but I fault the movie for. Um, and that is that, uh, first of all, the movie's very good. You should see it. Let me get that out of the way. Uh, and you agree with that, right?
0: Yeah. Although it's funny that, uh, Nico described it as intense. She did. Because it's a very quiet but it's sort of movie.
1: I think it's intense.
0: It is intense. It, it is. In a quiet, it's meditative unusual,
1: way. offbeat movie. And it's, it's a beautiful movie. It's a movie made by, uh, Chloe Zhao, who made The Rider. Yes. And, uh, and it's a similar style to that. So there's not much ornate dialogue. It's very realistic. Most of the people on the screen are people who are not professional actors. Uh, and there is a blurry line. I'll come back to that. Between what's reality and what's acting. And um, it is dominated by quiet musical score. Written by a fellow named Ludovico uh, a uh, e, e, Yes, Einaudi. And... Um, and a melodic uh, piano score, which is very fitting. It's wonderful cinematography. Uh, Joshua James Richards is a cinematographer. Um, and, and and I mention this because it's outstanding and it dominates the movie. You, you you have quiet moments, intense moments, looking at these landscapes with the music and creates a, an extremely powerful mood. Uh, and you make a real connection with the characters under those circumstances. Um so, uh, most people—it's critically acclaimed, right? We have who's that,
0: starring in it.
1: Who's starring it? I'm blanking on who's starring in it. You know who's starring in it.
0: Francis Norman Yeah, Francis McDormand. McDormand. Yeah, right.
1: Okay, right. Um, and um, yeah, she's very good, right? Um, it's uh, here's the here's the problem.
0: I'm waiting for this. Okay.
1: Or the tension. You have this, the book is a nonfiction book, right? right. About these folks who are living this itinerant economy and these lives which are lived largely outdoors and which are just sleeping in their vehicles. Uh, but they're making a life for themselves. What they've done is superimpose on a nonfiction book um, uh, a fictional character, an entirely fictional character, uh, played by Francis McDormand. And um, she has, she's also participating in that kind of nomad-like existence. Uh, she is a little different, though. Uh, whereas the movie is really telling... I'm sorry, the book was telling the story of, of an economic movement, if you will, or the economic fallout of events in 2018 and the like, which had created uh, this class of people. She's really not an element of that economic fallout. She's a person by dint of personality and some displacing moments in her life, including the loss of her husband, finds herself on the edges of what I'll call standard societal interactions. But it's largely by choice or by personality. It's not because she's been shown the door by the economic mainstream. And so she is visiting this nomad land and participating in it because she finds it rewarding, because she likes the freedom, because it gives her something that she's more comfortable with than the normal interactions with people in a nine-to-five. But that puts her outside the constituents of nomad land as is conceived by the nonfiction author. So there's a funny interface to me, and I've already gone into too much detail. I apologize. You for know, that. I. Uh, I... You think I, I'm being too fussy, but
0: I disagree with you a little bit yeah, because sure. I don't think she's an invented character. I think she's a composite character right, right. based on uh, people in the book, and uh, you know, really, I think what uh, they're trying to do is evoke this life, and so to some uh, extent, by her being a little bit removed yeah. from the general group, right. Uh, she becomes an observer. Right. And you observe this life through her eyes.
1: That's definitely true. Okay. And that's definitely true. And that, that is often the way the movie is understood and viewed, and I think in a very, fortuit, in, a, in a positive way. I think that yeah. helps you see the movie. The problem is the movie doesn't cohere. The, the, what you just said, that simple observation well, on your doesn't part, need doesn't to seem cohere. to appreciate that. It
0: does not need uh, to cohere. It doesn't have... You know, I think
1: it makes the story of the movie her story, as opposed to the story of the folks in Nomadland.
0: Right, look, then, yeah, that's at right. the end of the day, yeah. let me yeah.
1: not go, let me stop there
0: because it's not Let's, a documentary, Dan. It, it isn't, but, but it, the, the way it's been formulated does it's, it's got evoke this life. It's
1: got one it, foot. It, it's not a story. It's got one foot in both areas, in terms of a documentary and a story, and I think that's a that's a dicey road to travel. And it's very difficult to really navigate that. And I actually don't think they succeed entirely. Having said all that, I definitely think it's worth seeing. I suspect it will win Best Picture for whatever that's worth. Uh, So we recommend it.
0: But you do. You follow this person uh, through through almost a year, I would say. It seems timeless, but yes. Uh, Of, uh, you know... How she ekes out a living, right. you know, and how she well, interacts with people, right. and uh, against this amazing backdrop of the both American stories, West,
1: her story and the Nomadlands uh, story are both compelling, but just to me, they're a little bit different. Uh, and uh, but yes, there are a lot of It's filled with quiet moments that really land which is quite unusual. And and that's this woman's uh, style. Chloe yeah, the same was true, I believe. You'll agree with me, of the writer. Uh, And the funny thing is, to me, it's funny, is that she's directing the next Marvel movie. So (laughs) we were talking in the kitchen before, and Granger says, I wonder if she's going to follow the same uh, process. I said, no, no, I don't think so. Uh, Because the Marvel movie is the opposite of everything we just described. But we we will have a chance to find out, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's possible she can... uh Interpret Marvel as well as these other stories. I don't think they
1: associate Marvel with naturalistic settings so much.
0: No, but, you know, I mean, you have all kinds of uh, professionals. Yeah. And uh, n- they don't necessarily listen, limit themselves to... One style. We'll find uh, out. You know, yeah, no, I many, think so. Many musicians might, uh, oh, oh, oh. but uh, not a safe. lot of musicians can swing from. Uh, you know, I, I, got, it. I Beethoven got it. You're giving to, me. Yeah. You're
1: giving me a segue, but I, I'll just. I'm not saying she's not going to have a great Marvel movie. I'm just saying it's not going to be like this one.
0: I, I think she's got the skills. All right. To, um,
1: okay. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, yes, but but what you were alluding to in terms of our segue. Is the, the next movie we're going to talk about, the next film, which is called The Wrecking Crew.
0: Which I did not watch. Which you did not watch? It was watch. a documentary.
1: Yeah. Well, we're, we're, Nomad Land was almost a documentary. Uh, the Wrecking Crew. Um,
0: I'm not it, saying I don't watch documentaries. Which is not,
1: it's not brand new. I was
0: not interested in this documentary. That's okay.
1: Uh, it was released uh, in 2018, I think, broadly, but the fact is it's been. Uh, In production, it was in production prior to that for almost 20 years. Uh, And let me explain. So, what the Wrecking Crew is a documentary uh, about this group of studio musicians, which apparently dominated uh, the airwaves through pop music during the 1960s. Um, During the 1960s, you had all these new bands in the wake of the Beatles who supposedly were the next generation and uh, really took over the music world. And and you and I were coming of age at that time. And you really identified with the, to some degree, with a lot of these groups. And they captured the imagination of youth in many, many different countries. Um, And what are we talking about? We're talking about the Beach Boys, the Mamas and the Papas, Jan and Dean, the Monkees, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, Paul Revere and the Raiders, Righteous Brothers the Burbs. I could go on, right? Uh, Almost everyone you can think of. Um, and, uh, you would, you know, experience the band, uh, when you saw them on television with four guys with the guitars or three guys with the guitars or a girl singing, whatever it was, it was a, a three or and four, turns, five out, turns out, uh, when you bought their albums and listened to the music, it wasn't them. Right. It wasn't them. It wasn't them. all the background music of all the groups I just described, oh, I should include the association, uh, uh, was not them. Uh, it was... Songs like California Dreamin', These Boots Are Made For Walkin', Be My Baby, ba bah, 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 bah. You weren't listening to the groups you were watching on TV. The the What the, the studios would really? do... They would call in these studio musicians, these guys they knew, these guys who were pros. If who you're were pros, making a record, right. the
0: producer calls in the musicians he wants, whether you're Nancy Sinatra or, as you like to keep saying, the association.
1: The association. All right. But
0: the association... Huge group. But... but the point is, when you
1: they had right, their own but instruments. I
0: think we knew this. I didn't know this. No they, one knew this. They, I mean, they no must one have knew done this. a dozen stories. No one
1: knew this. On the, the fact morning news about the Beach Boys.
0: The Beach yeah, Boys yeah, weren't no, playing their own no. instruments For on years these records. The people have been talking about.
1: Oh, look, this is news to me. So, so it was a
0: revelation when you hear.
1: listen to "Good Vibrations." That's not the Beach Boys fine okay uh, all right you're taking it in stride the, the, I, you know what so the, the story is it's it's not even matter, it's one
0: thing it's, it's a beach boy it's the it's beach a, boys it's day. an expo really... it's
1: not an expose the point is is no. a story of these folks who are these anonymous folks i mean i'll give give them names don't for the give moment
0: them names tommy I mean,
1: don't. tedesco Hal Blaine, glenn campbell was one before he became famous glenn campbell it was, was a, a hey, studio you musician
0: you know you can sing buddy
1: exactly uh, and a woman named Carol Cave. There's only one woman in the group. She's quite a uh, bass guitar Oh, is that player. the
0: woman who is uh, kind of featured in uh, The Marvelous Ms. Maisel?
1: No. That's about a comedian. That's a different no, story. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, it's her? guitar player. Oh, that's her? Yeah. Okay, then the it's cat, her.
0: The cat-eye glasses? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's what she had, cat-eye glasses.
0: Right. All right. Um, no, so these She's are, quite interesting. These are working professionals right. who and can so, play any style and they would, you need- when you
1: need it. And apparently people needed it. So they were working 12 hours a day for like 10 years. They would get called in a moment's notice. And Whether they,
0: it was pop
1: right. for or, or some s- singer or, Sinatra. or rock for right. some, right. you know,
0: upstart. Right. Whether
1: it was the birds or, or it was Sonny and Cher. I mean, okay, they would so just they, immediately so, okay. do different right, styles. We got it. All and right, the economics got, How this, was
0: the documentary? It
1: was interesting. They were, you see these guys, these sort of anonymous guys, who were talking about the old times, they were brought in, and and then you would have some of the stars, like Cher was interviewed at great length, and she was quite open about saying, I was 17 years old, what did I know? I walked, you know, Sonny wrote some music on a piece of paper, we handed the people the studio, and they said, fine. And then they would hand it to someone, like this woman, Carol Kay, and she would say... What's this? It's like lying on the ground, like a lox. This the beat goes on. We got to do something with it. They had a counter melody, and they had a bass line, and they would make they it into it a song. They brought it to life. They brought it to life. All right. That's exactly right.
0: So there's more to music than you just think. There's more to music than just four guys in a garage.
1: Well, so here, so <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more, and these folks. Uh, they, they didn't make this kind of money. They, they, you know, Hal Blaine, he, he studied the drums on the GI Bill and gone out and he didn't know if he'd make a, any money as a studio musician in L.A. This is all in L.A. Well, it turns out for 10 years, these guys were so in demand, they were making tons of money and they worked all the time because they said it may not last. And it turns out they were right. So it, was, it didn't they, last. It didn't because then you had the advent of the singer-songwriters. So when Carol King came out to L.A., Mm-hmm. She said I play the piano and this guy with me James Taylor plays the guitar and they listened. they said oh yeah he's pretty good. So that was it. All right? And everyone followed with their own sort of singer-songwriter so no musicians.
0: musicians now.
1: These guys were very I I can't say that but probably the answer is there are very few. All right. So uh, this the, is
0: all very interesting. It was okay. very interesting. Thank but you. For 2 hours.
1: It was great. It was it was I don't I don't and, and to hear all these songs, these songs don't sound alike. Certainly don't sound alike to you. When I hear a song from uh, Herb Alpert, and then I hear a song from the Birds, and then I hear a song from Mamas and the Papas, you to know, me they're three different
0: planets, and they're, they're all done by the same professionals. people.
1: Professionals. <laughs> and, and and It's like
0: saying to you, but uh, these cases are not all alike.
1: And I say this hey, one
0: is soap, and this one is petroleum. They would hand
1: them the music. It's all sight reading. Did I tell you the story about the sight reading? Do it. I told you the sight reading story. We don't have to hear that again. But they, they would uh, they, they would just hand them this, uh, this, these written
0: charts. Oh, musicians that can sight read? Oh, my all God. All right. Anyway,
1: it was very exciting. It was very interesting. Yes. Okay. And, and the uh, wrecking crew. The wrecking crew. If I you're so inclined. It. The reason it took 20 years to make was they had to get the rights to all the music.
0: Yeah, that would be a bear.
1: And they had to get, uh, they started a Kickstarter account to actually get these rights, and it took about 15 years to get the rights. Right. Word is out now.
0: Okay. All right. I knew you'd Got be it. enthused. Um. So you're going to read this Tom Stoppard book or not? Absolutely not. Uh Tom Stoppard,
1: though, is great. Right. We the all know playwright. that. You don't have to he hear that from me. a book coming
0: out about him? A biography. A biography. He's not even dead. You can a write biography. a biography. You
1: can write a biography. And
0: uh, yeah, but it's easier, I think, when you're not there to dispute. Yeah. But he actually chose Hermione Lee to, to write, write this. Right. Now, she's written other biographies.
1: Mostly of uh, women who have passed away. Yes. Yeah. And writers. Yes. And she specialized in writers' biographies. Yes. Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf.
0: Edith Wharton. Yes. I, you know, I'm curious about the Edith Wharton because I, I think I've think i read other biographies of her. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I I don't know why either. But um, it, it said in the article I read in the New York Times about Hermione Lee that uh, she had a way of... Uh, making Wharton quite interesting and more layered than she seemed. Um, But anyway. uh, You might want to read
1: that one because this one is over 800 pages. Over
0: 800 pages.
1: The Stoppard one.
0: So that's a problem because...
1: But, but he's an interesting he guy. He seems
0: very interesting. He's
1: fascinating. Well, the few facts we So you we got, want
0: to know more about him. Yes,
1: but not 800 pages. But 800 pages. pages? Well, so the story, the things that you and I have been talking about, is, it's fascinating is uh, his family is born in Czechoslovakia. They have to... We won't go into details. We end up fleeing because of the Nazi regime. Uh, they end up in Singapore. Then it doesn't work out. There's a Japanese who are in Singapore. His father is, gets, is killed. His father
0: gets killed his, as they're uh, leaving Singapore. They go to India. His to mother India.
1: remarries. Uh, and it turns out he finds out years later that not only was he Czech, which he kind of knew, but he was uh, he's Jewish, which right. he didn't know. Which a fact well, that it was the kept. New,
0: the new dad was the, uh, seriously and, anti-Semitic. So
1: they kept it from him. So he's got, uh, and, and and of course, in typical Stoppard way. In describing his background, he said, well, he was basically a bounced chick. So, Hardy, har, har, har. Well, there you go. Wordsmith that he is. And and look, he's got a tremendous variety of plays. He's got a zillion uh, things that he's written that are all, you know, not all, and but a lot a man of them who's always working. Yeah. He's, he uh, does
0: these serious plays. He also does uh, screenplays. Yeah. He also is a played, what is it, a script doctor.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that works. I don't know what that means. I can't imagine. Punches
0: things up. Yeah, but you've got But got here's the here's
1: Shakespeare in the Love. We're bringing in Tom Stoppard. What's he going to do? Change a few commas? I mean, uh, you just uh, want to put his name yeah. on the on the No. No. Film.
0: Shakespeare in Love. That was a long time ago. I, I understand, but I you know, No. I, I, don't, I don't know think, what he could have done. Uh, what could he have done? Young girls this? were flocking to Shakespeare in Love because Tom Stoppard was involved. Well. You know? I think and one think best, he best he picture. He had one best picture. I think he has skills. Yes, but it's talking uh, about but writing. But here's the deal. Yes. what. It looks like he didn't go to college there's nothing he looks like he didn't go to college and he seems like the most erudite person i've ever heard well of.
1: first of all you're right and, and and yet it's not the whole
0: story i mean he went to british schools right. right high schools and so they they pack in a lot of knowledge there
1: not as not as much as you would think in college
0: but you your can your conviction is that i, I figured it out Okay.
1: Well, figure it out this. What's the secret? You say that this is a man who knows everything. His his plays cover so much in terms of breadth of knowledge from, you know, so physics to art to literature, you know, uh, all kinds of things. Latin. Latin, right. Well, it turns out it's not as if he just knows everything, uh, which might have been made easier if he had gone to college. It's not that at all. What he does in a very deliberate way is he decides upon a subject that he's interested in, that he wants to write about. Uh, maybe even some dilemma that he thinks is worth addressing some problem some question some issue and he studies that subject for years and sometimes as much as 4 years so he and he seems, masters something yeah, he and then strange. he writes about it and then he's on to the next thing and the well, next thing But nice. he seems very nice he seems very
0: interesting yeah he's uh, you know for those who might read the biography it seems like he's had a lot of love affairs yes um including uh you know the name of the, the, nobody the, yeah, no, the, the, the wife know. of Jeremy Irons.
1: Right, but we don't know her name.
0: While they were still married. Well, they had was a still... ten year affair.
1: Hence the wife of that, uh, that Jeremy would make, Irons. You
0: know, some kind of, these things uh, I haven't make followed, a good
1: play. I haven't researched that.
0: Um, well so, it, it probably didn't. Can make you name a good play. any of his plays?
1: He wrote the real thing, I assume it was about that.
0: Uh, sort right. of about that, yeah. 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 Okay. He said it wasn't. He's not sure if it was autobiographical, but it was auto something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, Arcadia, I really loved because, okay. uh, and I, I think I talked. To, did I talk about it here? I don't know. I don't know. That was a long time. It might have ago. been another we podcast. That, but, Were you yeah. on a different
1: podcast than the Arcadia?
0: No, no. But uh, that combined our archival research with land, the history of landscape architecture. Right, but that's that, a yeah. perfect
1: example. With, he, he became British an expert. country
0: houses. Well, I mean, see,
1: lawyers do this too. You become an expert in something for a short time when you handle the case, and then you flush it out of the, of your brain. Uh, no, matter. but
0: then you're sort of expert about it for the rest of your life. Not really. You give us long speeches about motor oil because yeah. well, uh, you know, I, twenty years ago, maybe forty years ago you had a motor oil case yeah you know? well
1: but that kind of stuff sticks yeah there. yeah all right so in any event the stopper biography of Hermione Lee is that her yeah. name think about it uh my I had two words for you maybe you maybe you it.
0: get the audible edition I, get the, whether you read it or listen to it it's an awful lot of detail if you're There's driving a lot in, of stuff I would like to know but
1: I would uh, get the audible edition if you're uh, driving to California that would be a good thing to put on because it, uh, it's 800 pages we'll see We'll let you know. Uh, you would tell me. I saw lessons. a
0: little article. I'll just quickly mention this in the local newspaper here. A church was actually um, doing a a drive uh, for people to bring in their old brasiers, <laughs> hmm. and the bras were being donated to a. An organization called Free the Girls, a US nonprofit that aids tra- trafficking survivors to raise awareness and donations. And what they do is uh, in um, El Salvador, Mozambique, Uganda, uh, this organization, Free the Girls, uh, brings uh, used bras to the countries to help women who are trying to get. You know, up on their feet uh, due to various uh, difficult circumstances, and uh, start a business, start a secondhand business selling bras. Bras in certain countries are highly uh, desirable um, because, and they, well, it's a good kind of business to be in because uh, bras are hard to make, Mm. and so uh, in some of these countries, it's not they're not um, competing with local businesses etc so uh, you know and there's a real demand so i thought this was very interesting it's an organization it's out in indiana people send them their bras they go through them mm-hmm. if they are not reusable yeah uh they get you know uh, sold off or destroyed or whatever Um, You know, for scrap kind of thing. And uh, then they repackage and uh, send this to their connections in El Salvador, Mozambique, and Uganda. just struck me as a very sort of pragmatic Mm -hmm. uh, way to help people. Okay. Setting up these, getting these people on their feet with these little businesses.
1: All right. Well, I assume you would consider sending them something.
0: Right, yeah. okay. but you know, you know how old people are; they wear things into the ground. So, but you can also send money to help uh, finance right. this uh, organization. Um,
1: all right. Speaking of money, um, the big news in sports this week was that a young ball player named Fernando Tatis. Um, signed a contract worth $340 million with the San Diego Padres. It's a 14-year contract. It's it's an unbelievable amount of money. Um, And everyone's been writing about the fact that Fernando Tatis, this 22-year-old, will now have $340 million. But what no one seems to be writing about is that he is not getting $340 million. And why is that? Because Fernando Tatis, when he was a few years younger, signed away a portion of his earnings in exchange for an immediate return. There is an organization called Big League Advanced, or BLA, which is a fund. It's an investment fund. We all know investment funds. And what they do is they approach young ball players in the minor leagues, and they say to them, look, you're not making much money now. And, then they, and they're often not, ten twenty thousand dollars 20000 a year. Many of these uh, are players from the Dominican Republic or someplace like that. Um, and uh, there's some question as to whether you'll make it in the big time. Uh, we have an algorithm. We've sort of evaluated what we think your future earnings might be. That's our business. But based on that algorithm, we're willing to make you a deal. We will offer you X money now for X percent of your future earnings earnings okay so for example here's hundred thousand dollars we want a hundred we want one percent of all your future earnings here's five hundred thousand dollars we want five percent of your future earnings and they made such a deal with Tatis. we don't have the details but the suspicion is that they bargained for 10% of his future earnings now no problem for Mr. Tatis because even if he's, he loses 10% he's still got three hundred million dollars and that's 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 why this is a deal that one might consider. Uh, And it's not as if Tatis was unsophisticated because his father played in the major leagues, Uh Fernando Tatis Sr., and Mm -hmm. has some money. So it's not like preying on uh, some youngster with no business experience. His father was part of the decision-making process. You can see the appeal of the deal to a minor leaguer making very little money. And from the fund's perspective, they understand that most of these people they're contracting with will never make it. In this case, they're going to lose money. They say 80% of the folks they've contracted with have not made it into the major leagues. So they make their money on the 20% who do, and that's the big payoff that they're looking for. 20%
0: would be a high rate of success, I think. Exactly, it would be. Uh, But. Stunning, huh? Isn't this going to drive the salaries of the players no. too high? Because no. The salaries are what the salaries to, are. No, really? no, no no, team is going to say, I'm know.
1: paying you more because you made this deal with somebody no, else. No, no, no. But people to,
0: are going to say, well, I need at least this much. And these guys are getting this percentage. Yeah,
1: you know, the players can only get what the, what the teams are willing to offer. And what the teams are willing to offer is not going to be affected by the fact that this person made this kind of deal. You know What you're going to see more likely and what you've seen already – is once in a while someone's going to sign a deal like this and say later this isn't right. I don't feel it's right. I gave away too much money, and no. and there was already one lawsuit when someone said I didn't understand I the was contract, say, and that's and was where unfair. Dan Abuhoff comes in. Comes <laughs> yes. to the rescue. Well, someone, some Dan <laughs> Have you equivalent. Been taking team. advantage. Well, of, maybe, but uh, the Dan abu equivalent in that case that I prevailed. I think
0: there's a new niche here. <laughs> For uh, litigation except, specialization, except for one thing, that,
1: that lawsuit loses, and the lawsuit that existed lost also because these guys at, at the BLA you are you very give it careful. The old
0: college try, yeah, I guess. All right?
1: uh, the Major League Baseball. I will say this, based, relevant to what you said, the Major League Players Association is against BLA, and they don't they don't support it. Uh, that
0: just that just makes it seem like. Yeah, but I think it's a great idea, and you know the what the man BLA, is controlling. You me. know what
1: the BLA says in response? They say right. if you don't want uh, young players to take this deal, pay them more as minor leaguers. All we're doing is stepping in to uh, a gap that you've created by by paying these guys nothing. Right. That's why they're making right. our deal. Yeah,
0: maybe. All right. Um, I knew you'd be interested in that. Okay, I noticed uh, the obituary of Ruth Diane. Who built a an Israeli fashion brand? Mm -hmm. First of all, and so she was married to how do you say it? Moshe Dayan. No, Moshe. Moshe Moshe Dayan. Moshe Dayan, who was the
1: the architect of the Seven Day War in 1967. He was a military hero in Israel.
0: Famous Israeli. Military Military hero, hero, politician, sex symbol with his eye patch. I wouldn't know about that. Myth and legend. Take it easy. She was married to him.
1: Military hero. Plus,
0: All right. So she lived to 103. Right. I mean, what what a life. And, uh, you know, she, um, I mean, her story is a long, long story. She meets uh, Moshe when, uh, like, she's 17 and he's 19. And they're, uh, I guess, in Israel. Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> in both cases. Well, in both cases, their families have moved to Israel to create right. a new, Moshe was a in new Israel. life. Yeah. Okay, Moshe would have been in Israel, yeah. um, and uh, you know they have these amazing lives going from there all over the place. Yeah. Okay, with the you know crazy things happening, like uh, you know Moshe. Gets his eyes shot out, yeah. and he's in prison, and so forth. Right. And, and but here's what was really interesting to me about her. Yeah. And so, um, uh, let's say in 1948, she was part of an organization of Israeli women teaching farm skills to new Jewish immigrants. Mm-hmm. So they're going around to you know the kibbutzes or whatever, right. and uh, seeing how these new immigrants are doing. Well, of course, I mean, these immigrants are from all over Europe, right? Yeah. All over the place, really. And uh, not for everybody is the farming life in Israel. <laughs> so yeah. it may not, you know, it wasn't a smooth transition. Right. She, you know, these women—they're having—they can't grow the tomatoes. There's no water. Right. There's rats everywhere. But uh, in their ramshackle huts, she notices the delicate lace work they brought with them right um, traditional crafts of the young Bulgarian women and a light bulb goes off and she puts together you know a business that allows them yeah. to you know make clothing, yes. which ends up to be you know a whole fashion yeah. line. You a know fashion that's, you know what that's called. Mosquito. Yes, it's called
1: capitalism. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyway.
1: Not something the Israelis were attuned to particularly, but yes.
0: Uh, really? Yeah. Um, so anyway, and she does that with other groups as well. Uh, Yugoslavian knitters, Syrian weavers, even Arab silversmiths. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finds a way for them to, you know, make a life with the skills they have right. in this new country hmm. so i thought that was uh, quite um, you know resourceful and so anyway it was a, it ah. was a real thing even audrey hepburn had a mesquite coat was famous for her mesquite coat they had collaborations with uh, couture houses um, and so on and so forth so anyway it it seems like a exciting um, interesting life she actually leaves diane in 1971 mm-hmm. because he's a busy busy man yeah and not easy to be married to a legend oh, you would or know. a myth you would as know as he's referred to you
1: no one knows better than you
0: um and uh you're not agreeing So anyway, so that uh 103 yeah
1: 103 well he, he passed away some time ago so uh yeah
0: all right Interesting. Uh,
1: so here's something that, the, that was in the Times. Uh, let me just say it and then I will <laughs> comment on it and then move on. So I opened the opinion section on Monday, uh, as one does, the op-ed section and the lead op-ed piece, the one that's on the top there of the page, blares with the headline, Aliens Must Be Out There. And I say to myself, uh, what?
0: How, how is that news?
1: What do you mean? Well, so, how, don't we
0: just all feel that way? No, we
1: don't all feel that way. Come on. Mostly, my, but it's not my point. I'm going, there are
0: aliens out there.
1: Did I miss something? Have I not been reading the newspaper? They discovered aliens. Aliens must be out there, which is the equivalent of the famous headline, Men's from Mars Have Landed, which, you know, one always jokes about that would get people's attention. Well, certainly aliens must be out there would get your attention. Uh, and I'm reading the article saying, sheesh, I mean, where have I been? Uh, and of course, uh, it's written by uh, Farhad uh, Manju. And um, who's on their editorial board he used to be their tech guy, and uh, I'm going to be a little more free in my criticism of the Times here because it's not—I would never get into this in something that we would call controversial, topical, political. This is not any of that, so I think it's fair game.
0: And you feel as expert as anyone to? No, well, uh, I'm
1: certainly as expert as Farhad Manju. Okay. I mean, and I certainly can read. All right. So what the article actually is is. Uh, There's no support for the notion that aliens are out there in the article. None. Zero. Right. Uh, And what it is is that (laughs) apparently he read an article or book by a fellow named Avi Loeb who feels that if we spent enough resources, we'd be more likely to find aliens out there. And the reason we haven't found them is because uh, the same reason I can never find my keys when I'm in a hurry because I don't do a good job looking for them. This is what Avi thinks. And he's working in an area where they need more money. The agency needs more money. So let's go look for the aliens. Well, that's fine. But that's pretty short from aliens must be out there. So then I'm thinking to myself, well, he was just done in by the headline writer. Uh, It can't be Farhad's fault. He couldn't have written such a silly thing. Uh, And then at the last paragraph, though, he gives himself away again. He says literally, I'm quoting, aliens are almost certainly out there All we have to do is open our eyes and look. And this is what we call in the trade based on nothing. Uh, Now, it could be that when Farhad says aliens must be out there, he means aliens might be out there. Uh, But to me, that's uh, totally different. You
0: see what it says on the top of the page? Opinion? Yes. This is just his opinion. You can't right?
1: have an opinion on Aliens Must Be Out There. You can there. have an
0: opinion on anything. What's wrong with you? Okay.
1: all right, Maybe. All right. Let's but move it's on. Gotta be. Let me just okay. say this. When you see something like this that is so unsupported and so out of the blue, you can't be serious. Did you not read this over? All right? It makes you wonder about everything else. That's all I'm going to say. Let's go on.
0: All right. Uh, another uh, obituary. Reggie Jones.
1: Reggie Jones.
0: 93. Beachgoer's ageless guard. Yes. So Reggie Jones was a guard on one of my favorite beaches, Jones Beach. uh, Not not, not named after Reggie Jones. 64 years. Yes. Okay. 64 64 years. 64 years. The last time he failed the lifeguard test, which is you have to swim 100 yards in less than 80 seconds. He was... 80 years old. Well, it was the only time he failed the lifeguard test. No, the, the last time the last time he passed the okay. test. He was 80 years old. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then the next and, year he couldn't uh, pass it. Yeah. So he but he kept up he the slept. good fight. He's- uh, and as soon
1: as he couldn't pass it they got rid of him just like that yeah
0: Boom. so anyways a fun obit uh, lots of fun stories he was also a um he was a wrestler he was a wrestling coach yeah and you can just see he was he never had a swimming lesson you know he was self-taught is that right swimmer yeah and he would always wear you know those old-fashioned men's suit with the like s- suspenders yeah um you remember those? Yeah. You don't remember them, but like our fathers right. would have worn. Mean bathing suits. The bathing suits, yeah. yeah. Um, he would. He had one of those. He would drag out every now and then. He um he held court. Yeah. In a lifeguard shack at Jones Beach East Bath House. Okay, which uh, everybody called Jurassic Park because that's where the older lifeguards hung out oh. with him. Um, so he seemed like quite a guy. He did he uh, did a whole um, polar bear thing every year? And uh, again, 93 years old. You know, maybe uh, keeping up that swimming regimen is a healthy thing.
1: I don't know. I'm disappointed that he couldn't pass the test when he turned 80. I don't know what happened. I'm, uh, you yeah. know, I'd, yeah. I'd like to think that he. How could've... many
0: seconds does it take you to swim? But, but it's
1: not the same point because there's no diminution. In my case, I'm probably getting faster, even though I'm not meeting the test. Uh, but in any event, uh, it is impressive. It seems like he was a workout fiend, working out all the time. Um, okay, uh, we're winding down here. Uh, Cuba. Here's the headline. I'll just read it. Cuba may soon have a new tourist attraction, a vaccine of its own. Cuba is developing its own vaccine. Uh, And the plan is, or at least some people's plan, is the vaccine, which might be ready in a month or so, is, well, it says here, already Cuba is floating the idea of enticing tourists to its shores with the irresistible cocktail of sun, sand, and a a shot of Sovereign 2, which is the name of the vaccine. Um, So the the first question you might say to yourself is... uh, can you get the vaccine if you're not Cuban? The answer is yes, you can. The Cubans will will make it available to anybody who comes to the country. So it's a little bit of an economic opportunity for Cuba, and Do maybe I it's smell going to be a best- field trip. <laughs> it might if the, the,
0: vaccine tourism. If
1: Pennsylvania continues on its way. Everyone from Pennsylvania will be on his way to Cuba. But then you might say, and I think it's fair to ask this question: Cuba, really, does Cuba have the resources to come up with a vaccine? And the answer is, in many people's views, uh, yes. And matter of fact, they very much uh, address what, what people's vision of Cuba is. When one of the scientists with Cuba says, look, you know, it's not just a matter of our ability. You know, our mechanical ability doesn't end with the ability to fix up old cars, you know. And of course, you always see those old cars in Cuba. Apparently, they're able to fix up equipment. Uh, medical equipment, uh, technological equipment, which otherwise would be in short supply. And they do have a thriving biotech uh, industry, which was started by Fidel Castro. Um, I've heard some people say it was to make uh, chemical weapons, but there's no proof of that really. Uh, In any event, uh, it has been going on since the 1980s. And uh, certainly the uh, American scientists, quoted in the article, take seriously Cuba's capabilities in this area. Cuban vaccine vacation Thompson.
0: Okay, just like Guys and Dolls. Remember they go to Havana. When they
1: remake for dinner. Guys and Dolls. just go
0: to Havana, you know. And get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Same idea. You're
1: you're woozy for a little while and
0: then uh, you fly back. All right, so one more obituary. So you know we were talking about uh, Ruth Diane, you know, the big international activist life, Hmm. lots of drama, uh, 103 years, and then we have a very quiet sort of contribution by Arianna Wright Rosenbluth. Now she only lived to 93, and she's described in the New York Times as a data pioneer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she actually um, was part, you know, of the group that uh, I guess developed the Metropolis algorithm okay the metropolis algorithm which dr rosenbluth programmed is the basis for what today are called markov chain monte carlo methods a mathematics of probability and statistics that provides simulations for complex problems that don't have conventional solutions convenient solutions can i tell you now what
1: what what a monte carlo model is yeah monte carlo modeling is because uh, I've actually used this. What you do is this. If you have a, a particularly difficult problem and you say, I don't know how to really get at this, uh you set up a Monte Carlo model of all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh you try to program as many possibilities as you can, as many outcomes as you can based on all these exogenous variables. And you say, I don't know what the right answer is, but I'm throwing in all the exogenous variables and seeing what the hell, what results come up. And, as, and what it's, the computer comes out with the end is saying, well, then you have a 50% chance of succeeding with this, or 70% chance of succeeding with this, or if you use these two factors, you have an 80% chance of succeeding with that. That's what it does. You throw everything in there, and it tells you how things are likely to go. And,
0: and this is used for all, all manner of, of... Well,
1: I can tell you it's used for economic modeling. Yeah, but it's
0: also used chemistry, physics, right. um, uh, political forecasts, as well as modeling... Uh, COVID 19 spread. Well, you know, okay. the, the fact so, that
1: it's, it's modeling COVID 19 doesn't make it no, more likely it, it, it was. It,
0: it just it has a widespread yeah. uh, application. Uh, the fact okay. that I know about it. So, knows so here's Ariana. Ariana was born in 1927 in Houston okay yeah. she graduates from what will become rice university uh when she's 18 in physics right okay it's not like she comes from a super technical family her father was a manager for a flower company Well, I can her, just, you know I her can mother be, a school teacher yeah. she was shy and a bookworm and fascinated by um the statistics I would think Frank Baum's Oz series oh my god the Wizard of Oz books yeah right okay uh, so she graduates when she's 18 she was also a fencer yeah okay who was running around beating men and women well, was supposed to be in the 44 Olympics yes there was no 44 Olympics for obvious reasons right okay and then she couldn't raise the funds to get to the 48 Olympics right. uh, which were where in uh, London okay she forges ahead with her physics degrees, uh, gets a uh, master's from Radcliffe in 47, goes on to get her Ph.D. from Harvard. Hmm. Okay. Uh, she gets her Harvard Ph.D. in physics by the time she's 20. Wow. All right. Yeah. So, of course, she, uh, um, she, uh, she does some postdoc work at uh, Stanford where she meets Mr. Rosenbluth. Mm -hmm. They get married. He, they end up at Los Alamos. Right. Okay. And, uh, they work with, they end up working with another couple, power couple, uh, Dr. Teller. Well, Teller
1: is the guy who ran the Los Alamos project. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they developed a His
0: wife was a mathematician, right. and there's another mathematica- uh, mathematical physicist too. This, that they worked ma- with. the Manhattan okay. Project. All right, so they, you know, and together they developed this, this Monte Carlo Monte yeah. Carlo thing. It was, yeah, right?
1: it was they. They're called Metropolis at that point.
0: So, um... but
1: yeah, I'm listening. I mean, she's married.
0: Yeah, starts to raise a family. And after the project never over, works again. She work,
1: Yeah, so we worked out the math on this, and. It sounds like it sounds like she worked as a physicist at a very high level for only 8 to 10 years.
0: Right. At a very young age <laughs> like from 20 to 28. Uh, 20 yeah, to yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe 20 to 30. But yeah, you know, 27 to 57 basically.
0: I mean they leave in 1956 they head to San Diego. Yeah. Um, so uh, so right. she's she's out. She's 30. And
1: then she's done. And they no, said she's 29 then. Yeah. And then say so she kept it, she was always interested in numbers. But she lives to be 93 and she's uh, raising
0: kids. Right. So there you go. Uh, which is, you know, in many cases, a more sort of normal story. Yeah. A more, not normal. Uh, conventional. Historical, conventional yeah. uh, story of a woman's life. Yeah. Uh, in those it's times. It's just
1: striking that like, she has so much in the so way of accomplishments. So and, much. And, and
0: then she just turned it What turned, her mind. And. She just yeah, it goes, goes on up, to made a, right turn. a different yeah. challenge yeah. uh shall we say. So a, a big contrast compared um to the life of Ruth Diane. Mrs. And a uh, big contrast with the life of Reggie Jones. Who continued
1: well. to do his doing into until he was eighty.
0: But thank you, Ariana. And uh I mean who who knew I mean yeah, it's weird. the forties. Yeah. She's majoring and um, excelling in physics. Yeah. So, All right, so uh, that's
1: all we have, uh, which is quite a bit, actually. And we'll see you next week. Uh, This is Dan Abuhoff. And Tamsin Granger with Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper. See you. See you. Bye.